Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Inside the 90 podcast, your home for everything soccer. Tonight, we are joined by Ricky. He just recently went over to England, jumped the pond, and had a great experience in the world of soccer. We're going to talk about clubs he supports, clubs he's visited, Wrexham, Manchester City, Fulham, some others. We're going to talk about the different cultures that he got to embrace while he was over there as a soccer fan. And of course, we're going to play our game either or. So sit back, listen, and relax. This is the Inside the 90 podcast. So how did you get into the sport of soccer and football? And uh, let's talk about this trip you went on. Okay. Uh, so... Starting starting out, uh, I started at a really young age, probably four or five. Uh, my dad was single guy, um, so he picked up and started coaching me at a really young age. And from there, um, I just played every year, every season. Um, continued on, uh, played in uh, North Carolina. Their top level was a uh, premier. Um, so played that for a couple of years and then, uh, went and played at a JUCO and then, um, at a D3 college. And after that, um, you know, really just continue to play where I can, uh, indoor has always been really fun as well as playing, uh, you know, street ball. Um, but, but yeah, like, uh, the trip that you said, uh, so my wife surprised me with a like birthday uh, Christmas, New Year's, you know, all of the above kind of trip. Uh, we went to I would the go UK. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we took off from the States and went to uh, Manchester. Um, spent about three days there. Uh, toured around. Uh, looked at some, some of the history and uh, museums and uh, some of the football clubs there. Then we uh, transitioned and... We really enjoyed the the Hulu series that was out on uh, Wrexham, right? Uh, so we had to take a once we looked at the map, we saw that Wrexham was the first like pretty much the first Welsh city that you could come to, and it was uh, like perpendicular to where uh, Manchester was. So we took a train ride over there and stopped off at a uh, Wrexham uh, football club, and then we hit up London and. Uh, didn't do a lot of football there, um, but we did see a lot of the history um, and did a uh, like a Jack the Ripper tour, which was pretty fun. Um, and then we went back to Manchester and flew out the next day. So all in all, we were there um, seven, eight so, days. So good trip, but let, fun. Yeah, let's talk about Wrexham. So um, I think we kind of talked about it in pre-show a little bit, but there's... I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the, the oldest professional stadium is in Wrexham. Um, it yeah, is, not it's, only just, it's the, a place that's full of history. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not only uh, the, the oldest stadium, um, well, the oldest club there, but uh, as they would see it, um, one of the most successful clubs um, and I guess the show kind of highlighted it, you know, they were a top level team for a really long time on the Welsh side. And then, you know, they went into a slump and they've gone all the way down and 
they've been stuck there for a long time. Uh, and now they've had some money feed in and, um, the, the series that the show or the season that the show covered, um, you know, they, they performed well. Um, but this year, uh, they're performing like on all cylinders They're, you know, they might even get some hardware. <laughs> yeah. Then they just, they just played the FA cup against, uh, was it Charleston or someone the other day? Um, they won three to two, or four two, four three, was, something like uh, that. It was a wild game. Yeah, four three. Uh, Coven, I think Coventon City, something it's like Coventry? that. Coventry, yeah. You're supposed to be, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they'll be playing. Uh, I think it. It's either Charlton. Yeah, it's not Sheffield. It's uh, yes, yeah, it, it'll be uh, Charlton, um, which is like at the end of January, but. Uh, I mean, it's so cool that we've got, you know, I mean, we've got an American superstar and, um, you know, a Canadian <laughs> superstar, um, but Americans follow them so much. And, um, you know, not everybody that goes to Wrexham is a football fan. They, they've a lot of people who work at the pub and that hot dog shop that was out there. Uh, they'll tell you that they've their business has doubled and tripled uh just from tourists who have watched the show and they're not even football fans they're just coming to to see uh the club and uh, my wife and I took a picture out there but um you know most stadiums and most clubs that you go to I mean they've they've got flags and stuff but they had the Welsh flag and the United States flag right next to each other uh right on the right on the wall of uh the race course so I thought that was super cool. cool yeah but you know that just you know that just kind of speaks to the power of well hulu but <laughs> um you know the power <laughs> of the what not even american owners because there's plenty of other american owners that own clubs throughout europe and in england right you know yeah. manchester united arsenal are both owned by american owners um mm -hmm. so like uh yeah at liverpool uh is owned by american owners as well so um, they definitely grew, jumped into that group, um, but it's 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 a. I found that I found I found Wrexham a club that you want to root for. You know, like you love their story, you get sucked into it. And it's a club that you you want to root for, and I, and so one of these days I'll go there. Um, but um, I feel like if you went there, you could just you know it, you can just feel it. You know, um, is that true or? Yeah you just kind of feel like the atmosphere is just around you. So, uh, like I said, we traveled there by train and it's, you know, you get off the train and, uh, you know, you've got to walk up to the street. And as soon as you walk up to the street, the stadium is right there. All you got to do, uh, you really don't even have to cross the street, but it, it's right there. So, you know, that people are getting bussed or, you know, traveling and, right off the train, right into the stadium. Um, now walking around Wrexham, um, it was maybe about a five minute, eight minute walk to what would be like their downtown area. Um, and you could see Wrexham flags. You could see, um, you know, Wrexham jerseys and stuff like that. And for being a, I'd say a smaller city um, compared to like the population and stuff like that, um, they, they definitely had a huge, uh, you know, pride for, for the club that was there. Um, 
but then like you brought up like with Wrexham and their story um you know they had they had statues and stuff like that that was catered to you know their history and the miners and stuff that was there i mean the i think it was in one of the uh one of the restaurants or the uh or the shops that we went that we went to but um you know Wrexham loves their football but the city itself uh defines themselves as you know they they work hard they work together and then you know they they enjoy that success together um so the city is through and through you know kind of built on on top of each other and i think that's where um you know the the Wrexham football club is just another another piece of that but it's the one that's televised right yeah uh, I'm sure there's more to the, you know, as the series develops, the series develops more and more of that show. Will, um, at least the talent in the city will be shown and more about the culture and everything. And I always tell people, if you want to learn about culture, when it comes to the soccer world, watch Wrexham, watch Sunderland. Uh, the Sunderland documentary is really good. Obviously the Arsenal one just came out. That one's good. That one's good. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was scared to watch it. I really was. I was like, I'll, oh my uh, God, I don't know if I want to watch it. <laughs> I'll I'll add one other thing um, about Wrexham. The um, so like once we got into downtown, there was one of the buildings, and they had a huge mural of uh, the Welsh team, and it had you know uh, Gareth Bell up there, you know, uh, yeah. like crying out. Um, so it was a it was a it was an awesome picture, but where I saw that was the, the oldest cathedral that was there in Wrexham and you can go in and, um, the, I believe it was world war two, um, the U S, uh, and their fighter pilots had, you know, stationed out somewhere around Wrexham, but they ended up coming to the, the cathedral, but, um, they had like an old flag or this one was actually newer, but it referenced an old flag that the Americans had given the city saying thanks for their hospitality during the world war two. Um, and I think in 2016, uh, the flag had been replaced by another by, you know, the U S forces when they were visiting again. Uh, so I thought that was, that was super cool. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool. That was pretty cool. So, and you, you got to, you got to, we're talking about culture and everything. Um, Manchester City, right? Um, whole whole nother ball game, mm -hmm. right? So what? What is it? Uh, why is why is Manchester, especially Manchester City, I guess? Um, why is it so different? And so, and and, your, and about your visit. So there's there's pieces of. I feel like where Manchester City is right now, um, they're they're still going through like this this change, right? Um, because the history that was there with Manchester City, um, they were labeling themselves as a you know a club for the people. Um, it wasn't anything directed at you know Man United, but um, Manchester City started out at a cathedral. And, uh, you know, where the cathedral grounds were, like the park, um, out of there, they ended up founding a, a team there. And 
it went through like one or two iterations and that's where man city kind of, uh, kind of sprung up. Um, but the club's history hasn't ever been, you know, full of trophies and full of awards and accolades or whatnot. Um, while we were there, my wife asked the question like, Hey, we see all these bees, right? Like why is Manchester or even England? Why do they have, you know, uh, kind of like, uh, the honeybees, like why are there bees, uh, painted on things. And one of the local guys told us that, oh, well, because the the city, because Manchester City uh, blew up from the uh, Industrial Revolution. Uh, I think they were doing steel there, but um, they were building ships and stuff. But with the bees, the city sees itself as a working unit as well. Uh, so just like the bees, you know, the bees get together and they perform the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I took away Man City. But in the last, you know, 10 years, Man City has gotten a new owner and they've had a lot of money pumped into them. Um, so the, the difference that I saw with Man City and Man United, with the clubs there, um, Man City was a lot more modern, especially on the inside. Um, they had like a five-star diner uh, or restaurant that was at the bottom. They had uh, this routine of every match day, like three hours before the match day, all the players go right through the front entrance and it's kind of like where this restaurant's at. And if you're there, you get to see all these players and they kind of give them like this announcement uh, when they're coming in. And uh, it's like a very intimate, um, you know, kind of like pregame celebration. Um, But then where this restaurant on the bottom of the floor is after the game where all the players are back walking back through the tunnel, when you walk through the tunnel to get to the field, it's mirrors everywhere, but those mirrors are actually double paned and that's where the restaurant is. So you have these super, uh, these guys with these money will sit there and eat and they just get to watch all the players walk back and forth. Um, and it's on the same hallway where they do like the pre or the post and pregame interviews. So they've got like a direct shot, but you wouldn't ever notice, uh, because of the mirrors. Um, the, the culture, though, with the city, um, you know, was was really OK. I know uh, we had talked a little bit about Green Street hooligans and, you know, kind of some of the firms and stuff. Um, there was only two instances where colors or jerseys or something like that was brought up, you know, in the four days I was there in Man City. Um, they were both on game day, but one of them was on the tram to get to uh, Man City. And my wife was wearing a Man City, um, you know, kind of beanie, beanie hat. And one of the one of the guys that was a tram worker was just like, oh, you forgot your man Manchester United hat, um, you know, and he laughed about it and he just kept walking like there was no no issue. No, nothing wrong. Yeah. Friend, now, friendly banter. Once yeah. I got to Man City and we went. Exactly. Um, once we got to Man City and we went into the stadium Um, we could see signs and we saw stuff on our ticket, which told us, you know, don't bring, uh, any away colors. Uh, this is the home section. You will be turned around. You will be, you know, you won't be allowed to, you know, go into the stadium or refund or anything. And coming up the steps, I ended up getting a match day scarf, which had a, you know, side for Man City and a side for Everton who was playing. Awesome. And I draped awesome. it, I draped it around myself and I went into the, uh, the soccer store that they had there. 
And I think the Man City part like went into my coat. So only the Everton part was out. So I was in this, you know, <laughs> three lap uh, line to, to pick up an actual just plain Man City scarf. And I had a guy whip his head and like look at me. And then turned back around to his buddy and was like, "Oi, he's got a man. He's got an Everton scarf." <laughs> and um, he, he looked back at me, and I just pulled the other side out, and he was like, "Oh, oi, mate, you good?" And then just you know carried on. But I was just like, "I was like, whoa, brother! Like, are we okay? Is everything good?" That's a um, great impression, by the way. <laughs> that was top draw. Oh. <laughs> Um, the, I mean, the accents, you could tell as soon as you went from Manchester, um, to London, uh, just got off on different, different stops. Um, it didn't matter. You, you could, everybody was speaking English, but you could hear the different, uh, the different slurs, um, and some of the different words. Um, but I will say once we got out of the, once we got out of the, the store on the backside, I know on college, like college football, they have the, you know, ESPN little, little newsstand that's there and they've got people that'll come and talk. Well, they had the same thing there um, at Manchester City. It would have been their, you know, Manchester City TV. Um, but they had a live band that was playing. Um, they actually had like multiple bands playing around the stadium and they had two guest speakers. Um, I can't remember who they were, but one was a English uh, female UFC fighter and the other guy called her out on, uh, I would never guess you as a fighter other than looking at your knuckles and her hands were massive. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, the stadium and the sizes of it, um, it's not that they were underwhelming. I think in my mind I had, you know, some of these stadiums built up in my head, kind of like the Coliseums where they were just like larger than life. And they're, they're, they're large. Um, I mean, they're, they're bigger than the majority of, you know, the college and uh, pro stadiums that we have. Um, I'd say it's a little more tight, a little more compact. Um, and, you know, you're, it seems like you're a little bit closer to the field, but here in the States, uh, when we're watching a game, you know, there's banter and, you know, we'll call some stuff out and we'll, you know, we'll heckle the other team um, or we'll heckle the refs. Uh, that was not the feeling I got um, from watching, you know, this Everton Man City game. The Everton fans heckled their own players. They expected good things, crisp passes. Uh, anytime there was a mess up, the fans gave it to their players, um, which was definitely kind of odd. Um, usually you're trying to, you know, keep, keep the, uh, keep the morale up, but, um, you know, if there was something wrong, you know, these, uh, the guy right behind me, I mean, he was, he was in it all the time. Uh, he wasn't really a big fan of Jack Grealish. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but even the, even the the Everton fans, I think it was like seven thousand tickets are are set off just for the away supporters, and they're they're roped off by all the security. Uh, I'd say like eighty percent of the security is over there, um, in between the away and the and the home team. But the Everton fans sang the entire time, 
So the fact that there was so 7,000, cool. uh, yeah, ever, I don't know, is it, would it be Evertonians? <laughs> Evertonians, um, yeah. You know, their, their songs were, were saying the entire time and Man City's, they would jump in here and there, but it was towards the end of the game where, uh, Everton scored their goal. And, um, I'd say it was probably about 70 minute minute on, um, the Man City fans really, really started to get into it. But the whole time Everton was singing and singing and singing. So, uh, but it was good atmospheres for sure. Nobody was rude. Everybody was, everybody says that England, you know, everybody's rude over there, but really the rude people I, I met were, oh, you're from America too. And then I watched this dude for a couple minutes and he's just, yeah, dude, like don't tell anybody you're a tourist, but, <laughs> but yeah, the English guy, okay. the, everybody was actually extremely nice. So we had no yeah. issues with that little direct you know <laughs> if they tell a joke you almost you almost can't tell it's a joke because <laughs> their right. tone and their facial gestures don't really change um but no everything was you know everybody was very friendly so something that i like to talk about is you know the culture and stuff and it's fascinating that people from you know, the same country, granted different regions, have sports teams that they live and die for. Um, you know, you can make the argument mm -hmm. between, you know, me being from Texas, you know, you have Houston and Dallas or being from New York and you have, you know, you know, the, you know, the Yankees and the Mets, so to speak, you know, or uh, and some of those other ones. It's just fascinating, but I'm sure you know, and, 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 on TV is one thing and going to the stadiums is another. And I've seen it too in the MLS a little bit, depending on where you're at. Um, but one, and once you're in the stadium, it's a, the atmosphere is just ridiculous. Um, like you, mm -hmm. you can't measure it. And, but going to one of those games, like why, I, maybe it's a question for another time, but like, why do these fans hate each other so much? Right. No, the, you know, the derby matches are this weekend, right? Arsenal and mm -hmm. Tottenham are a couple miles, if not less, away from each other. And these are fans that yeah. loathe each other, you know? And, but, you know, but why is that, you know? And, and, and there's countless different reasons, you know? And I know the big, I know the, the old Fern Derby, you know, which is Celtic and Rangers, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it did, you know, there's other ones that are, you know, working class versus, business class old fern is um largely religious um mm -hmm. you know you know so it, it's 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 just, it's interesting that they ha you have these fans that are from the same country and grew up different ways and they have culture so different but why is why is there so much animosity you know and you know a lot of people say that manchester city bought the cup you know when you know mm -hmm. A lot of numbers show that they, you know, they spent less than a lot of other people and they just got a better coach, you know, and, you know, and I, yeah. I know a lot of people say that too. Um, what other clubs did you visit when you were over there? Um, so we went to uh, ETIAD for Man City and then we went to Old Trafford for Man United. Um, we went to Wrexham and then uh, 
I, I wanted to go to Stanford Bridge, but given the stuff that we were trying to do, um, you know, I kept my wife was saying that, yeah, let's go see all the stadiums. I was like, we're here for history, not <laughs> not football. Um, so we tried to sprinkle some of it in, but I, I uh, got a got to make it to Craven Cottage, which is Fulham Stadium. Um, their shop had uh, on the maps. It said that they were open, but it was. New Year's Day, so maybe I should have taken that into account, but they were, sadly, they were closed, but um, uh, I mean, the feel around, you know, their stadium was a little bit different, too. It was, you know, a stadium that was in the middle of a neighborhood, um, and it wasn't like a super high-class neighborhood, and it wasn't, you know, a shanty or anything like that. I mean, it was it was a reasonable neighborhood, and right there at the back end of it, is Craven Cottage, and on the other side is the Thames, which runs all the way through London out into, um, uh, uh, I can't think of the waterway, the English Channel, there we go. Um, and they had, there was a school that was right out there next to it, and they had a park, um, and right there next to the river, I mean, it was a pretty wide running trail, um, so people were active. Um, you know, it was, I guess it's strange, right, like, you know, if you if when you're in high school, right, when you go to school, you know, everybody's there. But if it's Saturday or Sunday when you're not supposed to be there, then nobody's there. But no, people still like especially like runners. Yeah, they they it seems like they make it uh, a big deal to go run by. Um, and there's a couple people I was like, hey, I wonder if you're on like the second team or something. You're running really hard, man. <laughs> but um uh, we, we sat, um, we went to this place called the Shard, which is like the largest, uh, tower in, uh, in London. And there was some red glint that I saw off to the side. I, um, I used like my compass and tried to like triangulate it from where I was, but, um, I'm pretty sure I've got like an 80% certainty that that was the front of uh, Wright Stadium uh, there for Arsenal. And looking on the map, how you brought up Arsenal and Tottenham, um, they are literally like on the same street. Like you, Arsenal, I think is closer to London. And then you follow that same road, you know, a couple miles up, boom, there's Tottenham. I mean, they're on the same street. Um but those are really the the stadiums that um, that we personally went to. Um, did see Wembley from the train, and that one, you know, was definitely you could tell it was extremely large. Um, but like I said, with with Man City, uh, it had more of a modern feel. Uh, they were trying to push it, push some of the things up, um, you know, because they're you know really winning. And then Man United, they their stuff was a little more historical. Um, their trophy cabinet in there yeah. was very impressive. Uh, but they had the Old Trafford's been there for so long. Um, and they worship Alex Ferguson uh, like a saint. Um, they've got all sorts of stuff. They got on one side was uh, Bobby Charlton's uh, stands. And then they had the Alex Ferguson uh, stands, which would be where the players um, and the coaches actually sit. Um, and if you're if you're ever over there, um, I think it's only like 
um, you know, 40 euros to go do a tour or something like that. They give them like every day they do multiple, you know, um, go do the stadium tours um, because the tour guides are extremely friendly and they're extremely knowledgeable. Um, you know, going through the locker room at Man City, one of the guys was telling us that, uh, you know, the players are set up on course on, on, on a specific diet and they have all of their food monitored and all of it's tracked. Um, and up to three hours before the game, they are no longer allowed to eat. And then at halftime, um, they, I believe it was Man City, they get like one thing to eat or it might be after the game, they can have like a donut or they can have like a slice of pizza or something like that. Like after the game, they can actually indulge themselves a little bit. But at Man United, um, they're not allowed to eat at halftime at all. Um, so you can, the pieces that were being introduced during the stadium tours was the managers not only deal with the, you know, the strategy of the formation and, you know, the intermingling of the players, but their diet, their workout regimes, uh, their, uh, what is it? Their, their post-game recovery. Um, they have set in stones, like you will do this. Um, I mean, it was, it was kind of interesting for sure. That's, that's wild. Yeah. I remember saw, I saw the post was it the other day where uh, they're coming back from the World Cup and Pep said, I think it was Calvin Phillips. Pep said Calvin Phillips looks fat. <laughs> and they said, I guess that would make sense with uh, with what you just said. That I, was, I just started laughing. I was like, wow, okay. Um, so uh, this weekend, uh, what derby matches are you looking forward to? Uh, definitely because I got to go and see them and they're one of the bigger derby matches out there, especially for English football, but the man United man city, um, uh, it's, it's a good thing when, you know, when your wife comes in and says, Hey, uh, you know, we're going to watch this derby match tomorrow. Right. And you're like, yeah, 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 we are. (laughs) So, um, we'll definitely be checking that out. Yeah, it's right around the corner from you, um, <laughs> bright and early. Uh, for, I think it's a five thirty game oh, yeah. for me. So, uh, so we're gonna play a little bit of uh, either or, a uh, little finish it off, have a little bit of fun. Um, so, uh, either or, the four four two or the three five two. Hmm. You know, as a player, if you I want to dive into strategy. Yeah, if you want to dive into strategy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so I play it as more of attacking, as an attacking midi. Um, you know, so allowing me to have, allowing me to float around. And as one of my coaches says it, you know, just get in there and buzz, just buzz around, see what you find. Um, you know, the three five two is what I enjoyed playing. Um, you know, uh, like I said, uh, you know, growing up, I watched you know Stevie Stevie G, Frank Lampard, um, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Uh, you know, I'm going to be disappointed. You, got, you, you got know, the watching best name. Uh, Tony Cruz and Luka Modric. Yeah. 
Dude, okay, yeah. so yeah, side rant. I didn't get I I got to see Bastion play with um oh LA Galaxy when he was on loan for Man United, right? Um mm-hmm. I saw him in Kansas City play. And uh excuse me, was it No, it was Chicago Fire, my fault. Yeah. Uh that's a big man. That is that is no small small person and yeah. you know there's so seeing seeing some of these players like you, you can look at their stats right and it's like 5 8 140 and it's like oh okay cool but then you know like bastian i mean he's he's like 185 61 um but he is he is a big guy i mean he watching him play is not he wouldn't get pushed off the ball um stevie g when i saw him play with uh la he's the most bow-legged dude i've ever seen in my life <laughs> it's like his hips were like this <laughs> um, oh lord i think um, i think uh schweinsteiger I has the, the coolest name <laughs> I, I love his name Bastian oh, yeah. i had a german person correct That's... me on it oh man it's funny yeah, so okay. one of uh, okay. when I was in school, there was a there was a German, there was a German I met, and I was like, "Oh, you're from Germany?" She was like, "Yeah," and she was like, "You know, we went back and forth." And I said, "Oh, Bastian Schweinsteiger," and she was like, "What?" And you know, she you could tell she took offense, and she was like, "It's not Schweinsteiger, like he's a tiger, he's Schweinsteiger," and I was like, "Oh, so <laughs> you kind of have to put that little emphasis on it, but." For some reason, it definitely you know clicked in my head. He's the German tiger now, so <laughs> that's my personal nickname for him. <laughs> okay, okay. In their current form, current form, not historical. And we kind of we kind of went talked about this. Uh, it was kind of well, I posted it, but who would you rather have in their current form, Kevin De Bruyne or Martin Odegaard? Yeah. The, oh man, the pause. The fact that you said current, yeah. De Bruyne is definitely my pick, and it's 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 really hard to take to take the historical piece. Um because like I know he's not playing like he normally has. Um you know, but uh I'm willing to invest and, and wait for it to come back out. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, here's a good one. Uh, I'm assuming you watched the World Cup, right? Yep. Okay, who had a better World Cup, Croatia or Morocco? Morocco. Yeah. Morocco. Uh, so, I mean, we're we've got two Dalmatians and. Dal- uh, Croatia is supposedly where you know Dalmatians have come from. There's a province called Dalmatia, but because of that, we watch Croatia and we watch uh, Luka Modric. Um, Croatia did did well, um, but Morocco. I mean, you can't you can't understate the underdog that they came out with, um, and with Croatia being. You know, they lost to France in the previous World Cup, so they got second. You know, it's expected. 
um, you know, like Germany and Italy and Spain, they're always supposed to come out of the brackets, but sometimes they don't. Um, you know, Morocco, you know, the majority of people wouldn't have them coming out of the bracket at all. Um, so the fact that not only did they make it and at one point, yeah, yeah, no, I didn't. Um, the fact that they made it out of the bracket and continue to win. And at one point it was, are they going to make it to the finals? I mean, that's, that's an impressive tournament run for sure. So good for them. To even put them in that same conversation as some of those other teams, I think is, is, you know, good for them, obviously. It, you know, you, you're in, you're in the limelight now, you know, for sure. So, um, and I, I heard a, I read a, I read an article that said that, uh, Zayich, um, came out of retirement to play, uh, for the world cup and they, and then they did as well as they did. Um, I think that, uh, I think that was a NBC sports article. Um, so it, that's a really interesting fact. And obviously they got a lot of great talent that are, you know, emerging talent, you know, and there's a handful of other players too that are emerging talents. So, but that's all we got for tonight, my friend. Um, thanks for coming on the show and, uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you having me. Um, and I know that, uh, I know you just got a Jersey the other day. Um, but I believe Monday or Tuesday, you should have something else in the mail. So you keep your eyes peeled Ooh. for that. I'm going to start, I'm going to yep, start so. advertising that <laughs> just give out my PO box and be like, <laughs> send me stuff. <laughs> just, <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it, everyone. This is the Inside the 90 podcast. We'd like to thank Ricky for coming on to the show. We very much enjoyed the conversation. Hope you did too. So remember to check out all of our social medias and the Inside the 90 podcast on all your favorite podcast hosting websites. And remember to check out 90 Brand clothing's coming soon. Thank you, everyone.